When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can help the show financially by going to the blackandgoldhockeyblog.com website and clicking on either the Amazon.com or Fanatics.com banners to the right before shopping online. Now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show! Orr fights to keep it in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson. Back in front door, shot, scores! Ray Bork. Hey everyone's fans, welcome back for episode 86 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast in partnership with Grandstand Sports Network, the best view in sports. We're back for uh, another great show, a lot of topics to cover. Uh, later on in the show, as uh, towards the end, we have uh, my friend Josh uh, from the uh, shippingupthecauseway.com website talking about an hour's worth of prospects. We broke a lot of stuff down, so st- please stay tuned for that. Um, welcome back, Rob. Welcome back, Court. Uh, how's everybody's week been? Yeah, it's been a good week. Managed to watch some of the Bruins games, so that's always good. Yeah, it's been a great, great week. We got, we got wins, and uh, I'm in Boston next week. That's all that matters. Yeah, I'm so excited to finally, finally put a face to the to the voice. So um, we're all, most of us. I wish Rob could be there, but um, kind of lives far. Yeah, yeah. We'll be getting together uh, next next Saturday for the Chicago Blackhawks game, and um, maybe a couple drinks after. So that probably will happen. <laughs> a couple pops. Yeah, that's it. But um, no, another exciting week of Bruins hockey. Um, didn't start off the greatest. I, I have to tell you, the Buffalo Sabres game on Sunday uh, when the Bruins lost four to one was a, a bit of an. A disappointment, in my opinion, but 
the Buffalo this Buffalo is the team this year that is just absolute kryptonite to us and um, there's nothing we can do about it. We're gonna have these games from certain teams. They're gonna be I mean the bottom bottom dwelling Eastern Conference teams are gonna always play spoilers and, and this season it just happens to be Buffalo. And not uh, just to Boston. It's happening to Tampa. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the very next night, they, I believe they played together and um, they did the same thing in the Tampa Bay Lightning. So it, it happens all around the league, folks. And, you know, there's no need to jump off. But it's the way that they responded. I always like to uh, to see the positives. Um, and they came back and... And on Tuesday night at home in front of the TD Garden crowd and uh, beat the Carolina Hurricanes by the score of 4-3 to three in overtime. Which was, uh, I believe that was, uh, oh no, I'm thinking the wrong game. Who got that overtime goal? Uh, McAvoy? Yes, yes. Game where, no. Yeah, where he walked in. Yeah, yeah McAvoy yeah, yeah. was the winner. 100% crush. And, um, and, and, Thursday night's game was uh, weird for me because the way it started, I kind of like was like, um, this is not going to be a very good night. But like I said, the way they responded was absolutely um, amazing. Uh, they, they put up eight goals against Pittsburgh's four. Should have uh, been like 12. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know the exact stats. I don't know the last time the uh, the Bruins played an opponent when they had an eight goal first period, but I do know that it was eight years ago. Five goal first period. No, it was eight to three, eight goals. It was five. It was five three in the first. Yeah, eight goals. Oh, between the two teams. Yes. Sorry. No, no problem. Uh, my so bad. my bad. So, but I did look back, and it was eight years ago that the Bruins did have an an eight goal win. So, bit of a surprise. Nice offense, and also the power play was back on that night, which was good to see. Which yeah, which disappeared on the on the road. Yeah, yeah. And yet again, David Krejci, um, DeBrusque, and Rick Nash just dominating in the offensive zone that game. Yeah, absolutely. Great yeah. game. Um, now I, I got to ask you guys because it's 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 Tuka Rask and you know big fan and so on. Did you guys notice that he was off that game? And do you think that it might have anything to do with his? Um, not he didn't want to play yesterday or last night. Sorry, I don't. Sorry, go Rob. Yeah, I guess. Oh. I, I was going to say, from what I've seen a few people talk about, it seems like he's got the flu. And it's probably a better idea for your backup goaltender who's 100% to play them the game instead. Um, but I, I just think he was off a bit. He did uh, did let a couple of ones in that he'll definitely want back. But yeah. the team played in front of him, and that's what that's more the story than him having an off night. Right when when your goaltender lets in a couple that he shouldn't have, that's when you need you guys to score. And perfect example is Tampa Bay last night. Um, Andre Vasilevsky, I think he's called the goaltender for them. Yep, he's been one of the best goaltenders all year. had had one of the worst nights he's had in a long time last night, and Tampa Bay scored enough goals to win the game. So 
if if one top team in our division can do it, the Bruins can do it as well. So I, I think we need to look more at the fact that we put up eight goals than Tukaras letting two or three bad ones against Pittsburgh and a Pittsburgh team that's like that is stacked um, top to bottom. And yeah. I I just want to add there. Cassidy chose not to play him. There's no, there. People are saying that he chose to be out, but those are just the haters. He didn't choose to not play this game. Yeah. Well, from from the the um, the ending, the, the game. I'm sorry, the way the game ended, and, and the uh, interview with Bruce Cassidy is that Tuga and coaching staff got together and decided that it just yeah, wasn't a goal. I, I just want the fan base to know, like <clears throat> I. 100% it's the coaching staff right. choice who plays like this phantom thing that fans seem to think that Tuca doesn't play in certain games I just want to embellish not embellish sorry uh, dispel um, the monotonous of that comment every time that it's Cassidy's choice who plays every game right 100% he can have his gut I'm sure he probably went to Tuca and was like oh, I'm probably going to go with Dobin and Tuca was like, okay, yeah, you probably saw my game last game. Because <laughs> um, he was totally, like, he totally said I had a really bad game. He yep. made the joke about he should have been just in the stands. But, Having a beer. Yeah, and in fairness to Cassidy, Cassidy kept him in. Like, I, I made the comment on Twitter. I would have pulled him. Right. Um, I would have put Hudobin in. And Cassidy left him in the game because, as Cassidy said on many occasions, Tuca's a starter. Like, it's... It is what it is. I just don't get it. I, I anyways, I, I don't understand. He had a bad game. So did Anderson last night in Toronto. So two Vezina goalies had terrible nights last night. Yep. And not one person in Toronto right now is way way boohooing about their goaltender today on the media at all. Shocked. Or saying saying as some of our fans say he pooped his pants and or he chose not to play the game. As I as I said earlier today, grow up, people. You do better. Yeah. I'm tired of this crap. I'm just tired of the crap. No, I get you. <laughs> and uh, and the Montreal game last night, the Bruins came out and beat um, and beat them two to one in overtime with a Brad Marchand goal uh, in, in the extra session. And you know the the, the Bruins swept the the season series, which is absolutely fantastic. And I'm so happy to say that. When was the last time they did that? Did anybody know? It's been I a while. I can't. I couldn't find it. It's been a while. And Montreal has had the number. Montreal has been in the Rask head you know, or whatever. And it's just not been a very good time between those two teams, especially in the Boston side. But this season, last season, they tied the season. You know, they played, what, I think it was four games. They went mm-hmm. two and two. This year, they're four and oh. And so I think this is trending the opposite way. So... It's it's good, but you know, it was just a lot of people that said, "Oh, when when they found out that Hudobin was getting the start, they just went off the deep end and 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 said that he just doesn't want to play in big games." And it's like you just you just don't know this what's wasn't going a big on. Game. Yeah, I know. I mean, come on, Montreal's right now not even in the playoffs. <laughs> so it's just it was just kind of maddening. I saw a couple of things and I kind of went off the deep end on my own little my own little rant on Facebook and. You know, just stop, you know, enough with it. Accept it. Accept that the team is good right now with him in the goal and accept that he's one of the biggest parts of this team's success this season. So, 
Well, as Rob, you say, people just like watching it burn, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, these are the type of people you give them a million dollars and they're asking why they didn't get a million and one. Yeah. Like, this, this is the kind of fandom that I can't stand in any sport. I mean, you support any team on the earth for any sport and there's those type of guys that are just, oh, this guy can't do this and blah, he's not worth the money. So you just got to learn to shut it out, really. And yeah. can we say how good of a game Toy Krug had after McAvoy went down? Toy Krug oh, stepped yeah. in. He played the most, and he had to fill those minutes. <clears throat> and he was phenomenal. The, his, his, that, that pairing had that one back gap. Wow, he played good. A whole like a whole game, bar thirty seconds, with five like five defensemen mm-hmm. against your biggest rival. That's pretty damn good, if you ask me. Yeah, I'm sure we're all just as excited that uh, when Bergeron comes back, we have a one-two punch. Oh, yeah. yeah, <laughs> That's that... better than Tampa. Yeah, exactly. I'll say it right now. Better than Tampa. And Tampa has I'm, one line. I'm sorry, but how quick is the release of Rick? <coughs> like, I haven't seen him shoot like that since, like, what? Since, like, his second or third year in the league? Yeah, with Columbus. Like, his release is just unreal. He catches and just fires it straight away. I'm, I'm absolutely in love with that guy now. I think if they can re-sign him next year, oh. And yeah. Nick Holden is not coming out of the lineup. Right. Yeah. Can't, can't come out of the lineup. I'm sorry for all the Grizz fans, but unless McAvoy is hurt, <coughs> there's a really well, good reason they sent him down so he can play in Providence. Yeah. I think they Grizz, do. Grizzlick's listed as day-to-day, isn't it? Yeah, so that's a bit of a weird one because Kevin Miller for a while. Yeah, but <coughs> I just think uh, Holden did a great job. There were a couple of dodgy passes. Don't get me wrong, but I think it, that's his first game in the lineup, isn't it? His so, pass to—that's no, the second. His pass to Jake Rusk was phenomenal. Oh, yeah, he's got two. Uh, Holden's got two games played. And he's got two assists. Yeah, I believe one in each. Um, and the pairing of Carlo has changed Carlo's game. Yeah, you definitely yeah. see that. Definitely. I, they play – it's no offense to Tori Krug. I think that Carlo tries to make up for Krug's offensive um, prowess when other guys like Kevin Miller and Adam McQuaid just let it let play their game. And for some reason, it throws Carlo off his game when he's playing with Krug. I don't know why. Um. The upcoming week schedule, uh, they play a three-game set at home. Uh, they play the Detroit Red Wings on Tuesday. And Detroit is way out of the playoff picture. Uh, they are 13-15-2 on the road. Uh, as of right now, they're 4-5-1 in the last 10. So um, hopefully the Bruins can truck them over. Um, but they all, they could also be that team that's very sneaky and I mean, played that Buffalo type of um, spoiler uh, style game. And then the uh, Thursday game uh, is the Philadelphia Flyers when they come to the TD Bank North. I'm sorry, TD Garden. And they have been on an absolute tear. Um, they are 
they even have a better road record than their home record at 18, 10, and 5. And they're 7, 1, and 2 in their last 10. So Yeah, and had that shootout with Tampa. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And um, <coughs> that was a back and forth game. I watched a little bit of that. It was crazy. Um, but th- that's an, even though it's not a divisional game, that's still a very important game um, because. Philly's really, really good this season. I mean, they got they got hot lately. They weren't very good at the beginning, but they start. I mean, they've been on a tear. Yeah, and I'm there, so I want to win. Exactly. So court's in the house, so I have to um, almost guarantee a, a victory there. Well, I hope so. <laughs> and then to round off the week. Uh, Round out the week, I'm sorry. The uh, Chicago Blackhawks come to town for a 1 o'clock matinee, and I'm wicked pumped about that because um, I love afternoon games, and especially when I'm going to be in town. So hopefully you get to see a bunch of people that I know. I know Court's going to be there and uh, and, and others. So uh, And the Chicago Blackhawks, um, they are out of the playoff picture. Uh, they're poo-poo. They're, yeah. They're poo-poo. Yeah. They're, 13, 15, and 5 on the road, and 4, 6, and 0 in the last 10. So, I hopefully that Who they could. would could've... have called that this year? Not me. Jesus. Not me at all. I wouldn't have seen that coming from a mile away. Mind you, who would have called uh, Pittsburgh being in 13th place right now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this year has been just so weird. Like, so absolutely weird to watch. And I've had a lot more time to watch games this season. And it just feels really strange. Um, so, uh, some topics of interest that we got to cover. Um, uh, Patrice Bergeron, his injury. Um, I'm, I'm from the, uh, the articles that I'm reading is he, took, he blocked a shot uh, yes, on Saturday night. In Toronto in the first in period. In Toronto in the first period. Uh, thank you, Court. So, but he came out like a trooper like he is and has been in the past and, 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 and played the Buffalo game on Sunday afternoon. Um, but then was uh, listed as a fractured right foot and out for two weeks. Um, well, reevaluated in two weeks. Oh, reevaluated in two weeks. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought, I thought it was... Um, okay, yeah, because they did the x-rays in Toronto. And then they did an MRI after the uh, the Buffalo game, and that's where they saw the the fracture. Okay, so he is going to be out for a little while, and um, I got I got to say I like the response. I don't like injuries at all. Period. It sucks for everybody, but especially res- Bergeron. Yeah, I mean that the guys is just just one of the, the you know right next to Chara is is, is the a team leader and and an, an inspiration on the bench. Um, I was listening to the uh, Behind the B episode last uh, this morning, actually, as I was getting some show notes uh, together. And wow, is he just so powerful with his voice on the bench? Just really uplifts everybody when they might be down a little bit, or when or when they're riding the high. He's he's just there to keep it going, and you know he's going to be sorely missed, no doubt. But the way the team's responding without him is has been very impressive to me uh whether it be the voice from uh bruce cassidy or their internal you know love for each other and and, and teamwork um just coming out and and making things happen is just it's been uh, an inspiration so 
David Krejci. Yeah, <laughs> David Krejci. Um, the, but last night, unfortunately, and I know a lot of Bruins fans already know this, regardless of what when you listen, uh, Charlie McAvoy was uh, thirty seconds into his uh, the start of the game and and was uh, injured. So, um, this one was weird for me. I mean, we we did talk about this on the uh, on the off air show. Um, it didn't look that bad. But when you look at other angles, um, I don't think it was a slash, right, Court? Yeah, so Colin Beswick, uh, friend friend of the show, um, he originally tweeted the first angle, which was what you could see um, from, I guess, you guys had a Nesson feed? Yeah. Am I correct? Um, the CBC feed had a totally different angle, so the camera was on the other side. So when that stick came down, it did not actually touch McAvoy's foot. He did 100% trip him. Like there should have been a tripping call. Um, there was, there was. Uh, uh, he definitely was doing. He definitely meant to trip him because uh, he's looking right at him when he did it from the other angle. Because Colin actually put a bunch of tweets out and put a bunch of different angles out. There's a hit right before it happens over in the side, over in the corner. It looks weird when he comes across. It looks like he's laboring one of his legs, like either his groin or it's weird. Like he comes off a little slow. And then he just comes into that huddle and gets tripped real easily. And then when he's coming off, Rob, you said that you saw something in the upper body, but I, I thought I was seeing lower. It looked like one side of his body was his right side was down. Yeah, uh, well, he had one of his hands down by his side. Like looked like he was. It was either his shoulder was out or something, or he was trying to like take well, the weight off one of his legs. You know, when you like put yeah. your shoulder down to take the weight off. He, it he could like that so. He could have tore his groin muscle, or it's it's a hundred percent weird, as we were all saying before. It just yeah. it's weird. The way he went down as well, like it wasn't like the trip wasn't enough to take him down. I don't think. I think it's more something was hurting him and he's gone down. Yeah, it so, looked like it was just you, anything was going to take him down. Like I said, yeah. my suggestion to both of you, because Colin, I think I think it was either the first thing this morning or very late last night, he put out this other view. Um, and, and fans of the show, check him out on Twitter. He actually, uh, he'll he'll tape the game on his phone and then put out all the goals. It's, it's, it's phenomenal in all the plays that everybody wants to talk about. And when he goes into the boards and, and this hit comes off to the side, it, he looks to be laboring a bit when he comes back in yeah. into the play there. Yeah, Colin's, Colin's definitely a good follow and a good read on uh, stanleycupofchowder.com. I commented on someone's uh, tweet the other day as well when they were talking about Bergeron being out, and I said this is the best time for short-term injuries when you 100% guaranteed playoff and you've just got these few weeks for rest. Mm-hmm. Like as long as they come back before the playoff starts, like you want them to have a week before the playoff starts where they get some game time. But I'd rather someone get injured now than. Like, just going into the playoffs. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Well, think about it. Last year, all our injuries happened in the last week, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's sad to say. Um, all of them happening in the beginning of March. I'm like, I'm okay with that. And we have the depth that everybody complained about that we got. Um, that is actually turning out to be a godsend. So once again, Rob, you can say you're Sweeneyus. <laughs> Sweeneyus. Yeah. He is an absolute genius, though. Yeah. Like, I I mean, I watched the clip of 
Behind the Bee. I haven't watched the whole episode yet, which is kind of disappointing. But um, when they were talking, when he's talking about Wingles, and he says the guys played on the top line, yeah, they haven't done well, but he's played them minutes and he's played the penalty kill. And I've seen like he's been on hits of the week on um, Sportsnet so many times because his forecheck is relentless. So like seeing these deals coming through, they're the kind of deals that in my head I would make as like someone looking for depth and a top six winger. Like they were the perfect guys to get. You look at the other guys that are available, Evander Kane over Nash. No. Like who else went? Uh, Thomas Tatar mm-hmm. went for a first, a second and a third over Nash, which was a first and Spooner who was going anyway. Who has played um, well in New York, but good for him. Oh, yeah. He didn't fit in it, the team anymore. But the thing is, it's a different system. People are going to like remember that. Yeah. I always see people go, oh, well, now he's doing well there and he could have done that here and blah, blah, blah. No, he's got different line mates. He's got uh, Namasteng North, is it? Um, from Nemestikov. Nemestikov. He's got him on his wing, who has been really good all season. Um, like he's got plenty of talent around him, and he's been being given the freedom to play however he wants because that team is not making the playoffs. And also, it was a hockey trade. Yes, it was. And if, yeah, when you if, think about it, Bolesky's not there. It's just Spooner and a, and pieces for Nash. The hockey yeah. trade, right? But you move that. You moved Bolesky and Spooner, and now you've got enough cap space to re-sign the guy next year. So maybe it's not just a rental. And it's re- it's revitalized Krejci for the oh. fact that, like Jake DeBrusque, uh, I'm going to keep keep touting this and keep touting this. I think the kid is a stud. I think he's going to be a, a great future with this organization, and he is the young Rick Nash. Um, and now you have Nash there. You already had Bacchus, who was... You know the father, and I honestly think with Bergeron gone, is that voice next next behind the B? He will be the voice of the voice on the bench. Um, and you have that line now where Krejci can either look left, he can look right. You you have three guys that have puck possession skills, and Krejci has so much vision, and he doesn't have to. He can allow DeBrusque and Nash to skate with the puck, and then he gets. If you notice, both of those guys skate with the puck, and then they give it to Krejci, and he's the one who brings it in, and he starts a play in the back end and starts. He just starts it all, and like someone just put on, twi- on on Twitter in the in four games together, Krejci, DeBrusque, and Rick Nash have 66% Corsi. It's Bruin stats, by the way, at Bruin stats on Twitter. Two goals scored, zero allowed, and five drop penalties in 35 minutes. I replied back with um, asking about how many drawn penalties were on DeBrusque. Two is for Nash, three for DeBrusque, but DeBrusque has also had two others, so five for him alone in the past two games drawn penalties that line is not just scoring they're getting power play chances for the team just yep. because of how they have puck possession skills and what they're doing because they're they're keeping the puck in the other team's zone and when that happens penalties happen yeah and we forgot to mention the whole shift where it was david Krejci's line followed by the fourth line and they mm-hmm. kept the puck in the zone for i think it was a minute and 40 odd seconds and also, Chara put his fist through somebody's face at the end of a oh, two-and-a-half yeah. minute. I'm sorry, we just hadn't talked about it. Throw that yeah, in. Yeah, uh, Phil the Thrill Kessel getting his uh, hot dog smashed down his throat as well. <laughs> it's always fun to see. Nice one, Randy. It's just it's, good it's, one. It's, it's fun to watch Bruins hockey right now, plain and simple. 
they're finding ways to win and you know they were on a long road trip they came back home and they're doing the opposite of what as mark you pointed out earlier in the year they're doing the opposite they're winning at home now yeah a lot too yeah where home in previous seasons was was just you know it wasn't happening and and season ticket holders were spouting off that you know why why should we pay ridiculous amounts of price ridiculous prices that keep going up every year if the team's not producing at home and i can understand that but it's so good to have them play in front of their their home team their home crowd this season and playing so well um they they're 22 7 and 4 at home I, I, that amazes me and the the away record is even impressive at 18 8 and 4 and, and also, I, I want to point out they're still number one in goals against average in the NHL. Yeah, so I mean that that whole uh, William Jennings Trophy is 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 a great possibility, and and hopefully they keep it up. Um, but their power play, thirteenth in the league. When we used to always say five and four, <clears throat> yep, it's thirteenth in the league. Yeah, so the middle pack, you know, there's definitely things to work on there, um, but definitely good signs from uh, going back to our conversation about the Pittsburgh game. You know, what did they get? Four power play goals in just that single game against Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was impressive. And they've and the down one of their main uh, power play guys in Bergeron being the bumper. Exactly. Uh, Rick Nash is now playing his position, but in front of the net, so they don't have that high guy in the slot anymore. Uh, I don't think they trust anyone to be there for the... I, I just don't think that one-timer that Bergeron's got anyone else can pull that off in that tight of space. So they're putting Nash where he's put up the most goals, and that's dead in front of the net, just like Bacchus on the second unit. So, um, We we did talk about it a little bit, but the there was some additions um, at the trade deadline uh, the Monday before the 3 o'clock um, shutdown. Uh, Rob, you mentioned Tommy Wingles. Uh, he came in with a conditional fifth round pick. Um, and I think the condition is, um, if the Bruins make the playoffs, it's an, it goes down to be a fourth. Is that correct? If, no, if they make the second round, second round, it okay. goes to a fourth or if they re-sign him, uh, next season, it goes to a fourth. As well. And so far in one game played, uh, he's got a goal and an assist. Um, mm-hmm. so that, so yeah, two points in two games, Gianta three points in two games, Nash three points in four games, Holden two points in two games. So the, the additions that I was kind of baffled by, which was the, the, the Wingles, the Gianta and, and, and the Holden, I mean, the Holden was, I wasn't so baffled, but we and now he's of, turned into one of our best defensemen. Right yeah. Now. I mean, this, these additions are just something that. A lot of teams do when they prepare themselves for a, a long playoff run, and you can definitely tell that this is exactly this this Bruins team and their agenda is to make it past the first round like, like they did uh, against the Ottawa Senators last year, which they did not. And, and and now the goal is to make that second round and further. So uh, sustainability in the depth is, is needed. So, I mean, these moves right here just go back to what Rob said. I mean, this is just Sweeney's, you know? Uh, yeah. And, you know, hopefully it works out. I mean, it definitely gives uh, a guy like Gianta, who is in his 40s, a little more playing time. And I was totally blown away by his effort so far after not playing any NHL games and then 
But obviously training and being ready for the United States hockey team in the Olympics uh, this year, I just I thought it'd be take a little more time to get his game up to speed. But I was I'm, I'm quite impressed with uh, the way he is. And and you know what's we- really weird too is he's got that grit. You know, I mean, he was giving it to his old teammates in Montreal last night, and it was it was really good to see. So. Yeah, who would have thought at the end of the game, Marchand scores the game winner with Krug and Gianta on the ice with him. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see um, the? He went to tip a shot, and uh, the goalie saved it with his glove. Gianta gave him a tap in the glove because he didn't see him glove it, and uh, everything just went bad. Yeah, that Petri, like, uh, Petri, Petri came over and just yeah. attacked him, and then here comes. Um, oh. Yeah, there was like no one from the Bruins really went over. I think there was one guy maybe went over, and that was about it. But. It, it was one of them moments where I was like, oh, we're about to see a line roll here. But yeah, right. It looks, it looks like the Bruins are forgetting all that stuff. Like, you never <laughs> see the defensemen go deep anymore. I, I like that. You're limiting the roughing calls. So, I think they're doing a really good job of staying away from them dumb penalties this year. Yeah, and they're also doing a better job of uh, getting in front of the goalie now. Now, when you think about it, you got you got Nash who always loves to be a pest in front of the net, and he also loves being a pest in the corner. Like, his control with the puck is, is phenomenal. And then you have Bacchus, um, that I honestly think when Nat, when Bergeron's back, Nat Heinen and Bacchus's game will step up again. I think that line is missing playing together, unfortunately, yeah. for them. Uh, and then you have the top unit where Pasternak just, oh, guy could have had a hat trick last night. Oh, but it was good to see him keep shooting. Yeah. His games where he's done that and then he's gone, I'm going to pass the puck from now on. Like, well, my game's not there, but he just kept firing and firing. But him and Marshawn got a little fancy in the first period. And, you know, it, that's that's why I think he started shooting because they got way too fancy, the two of them. Yeah. It was like, just put the puck on the net, guys. Just, just shoot it, the puck. It was good hockey to watch last night. Like, we see those games where they play teams that aren't in the playoffs and well in the playoff picture anyway and like they just seem to play down to them and kind of give it up but last night they just they kept going and going and like you said it could have been like 9-2 like easily like 9-1 but yeah just not not their game for scoring goals yeah if if they hit the net i mean how many times did they hit high glass last night it was crazy i'm like i mean niemi you got to give credit a little credit to niemi i mean he did play okay and he covered pretty pretty good but a lot of those shots that were taken like like krug uh marshan pasenak those guys were really gripping that stick just a little too tight and there were holes i watched a little bit of the video this morning there were holes that niemi was completely given up that if it wasn't high glass that was going in the net yeah. So, and there's games like that where you just wish they'd start shooting the wall, and like it, it's one of them things. And the thing that I really like about Nash is he he picks his spots. Like when you see him shoot, he doesn't go for the same place all the time. A lot of players they'll go top glove or they like going top blocker, but he'll just pick different areas wherever it seems to be open. He goes for it, uh, and and. I think a few other players are starting to do that as well. The shooting's really come along since the start of the season. And he seems to already be part of the team. You know, like, it's it's funny when everybody got a little worried about 
messing with the uh, the chemistry, and I was one of them. It seems, if, even from watching that behind the B, and, and Rob was alluding to it earlier, the way Sweeney was picking these guys and Wiggles, for for that matter, was all about his leadership and not messing with the chemistry. That these guys will be able to come in and be totally fine. Like Rick Nash, you think about it, he already knew Marshan and Bergeron. He already knew these guys, so him coming in just became um, easy. And also. Him looking at the camera during interviews is hilarious. Oh, so, oh yeah, it is. <laughs> those bright, he's got those big blue, uh, very big eyes, and he's just like really, he's living the moment. He really is. Yeah, he's, and he's having fun. Yeah, that's the best part about it. Someone put on Twitter, it looks like Rick Nash has had his eyebrows done. Because <laughs> so many times when he's looking at it, it looks like he's trying to look at his own reflection. But, but, that, but it's good. The guys they so brought in fun. were character. And that's yeah. they they brought in Rick Nash, who's a goal scorer, and he's proven everybody wrong. He's come in and been phenomenal. Um, it's it's weird. He, he even proved Don Cherry wrong. I don't know if you guys know this. So in Canada, when the trade first happened, Don Cherry compared it to when um, we brought in Yager, and Yager got no points in the playoffs, and we sat Sagan, and he said that that was the reason they lost the cup. Um, not to Rask, by the way, just uh, for the Raskaders. He said it was because of that. Um, and uh, he was comparing it to that. And then he was on CBC the other day. And that's why Nash was, uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, when Nash, um, they asked him the question, he was like, yeah, it was, it was kind of nice. Because Nash actually has been the interviewer between every period, every game so far for some reason. Because yeah. um, I get, I have two different feeds, right? I get Nesson and then I get CBC. Um, and uh, he was saying, he was like, it was really nice. He's like, I've always watched the Rock'em Sock'em's. Because Cherry was like, I take it all back. He's been phenomenal. Uh, speaking of Nash and... Um... Uh, well, and former coach Claude Julian. <clears throat> Did you guys uh, see uh, Claude's uh, comments after the game about uh, the way the Bruins are playing and how embarrassing it is for the league? I mean, it, it's, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny this coming from one of the major teams in the league that is a bunch of diving bitches. And, and I'm sorry for using well, that hey, explosive, hey. but. Earmuffs, earmuffs, everybody. I know, but, you know. Glad yeah, it's. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just kind of funny. It's coming from him, and you know, and after the uh, the Bruins swept their season series with him, that he comes out and says that. Now, now listen, I do have to come clean here. Nash did sell that huge. He absolutely yeah, but sold you, it. You're going to like if you if someone initiates contact on you and you're wanting to win a game. You're gonna sell a little bit. I mean, not like dive all over the place, but if someone makes the contact with you, like we see it so many times where players are tripped and they don't, like they don't go down, they keep themselves up, and the refs just let it go. Right. When it should be a penalty. So I don't mind captain like stuff like that. I don't think it's too bad for the game. But I mean, it's when players don't do anything wrong and they start just flopping all over the place. That's just ridiculous. I'll be honest. I saw the play. He definitely, um, I don't know. It looked like he, he got hit and he decided, let's see if I can get a penalty. But it's also, it sounds terrible. It's also the way the game is being played now. If you notice, as soon as a stick comes up on someone, the guy will grab that stick and then get the penalty call. Like uh, Krejci's penalty a couple games ago. He Once his stick got even around the other player, the other player just grabs it and goes down. It just, and and. Every player is guilty of it. So what Claude's saying is just being sour that he lost four games in a row against Boston and Cassidy has beat him every single time they play head-to-head. That's all it is. That Cassidy has outcoached him every game 
and he's embarrassed about it. Claude did a phenomenal job in Boston. He's, you know, the winningest coach in Boston Bruins history. He won a Stanley Cup, but his time has passed. Cassie's doing a better job than him right now. And unfortunately, Claude is coaching a team that his GM has given him a dumpster fire, and there's nothing he can do about it. Yeah. And it's just sour grapes. That's all it is. Yeah. Can we like... also say about the um, the Habs fans must be a bit pissed off because um, there was a definite definite penalty shot last night in that game. That it made no play. sense. I didn't think that. I thought the the uh, was a Corrali, right? Corrali came back. It, like I, it was. Wow. Yeah. How but, was there a penalty shot? Because he he hit him like on the hand. Like, mm-hmm. as he's going to take the shot, it's going to put him off the shot. So, mm-hmm. I, I've seen penalty shots called for less this season. Yeah. So, I thought that was a definite penalty shot. But hey, I was at a game in Toronto where I thought it definitely wasn't a goal. But you know what? <clears throat> yeah. What do, what That's do what we I mean, know? Though. You get, you, we've finally gone away with one. Like, the amount of times that it's come against us and we're finally starting to get away with bits of it. So Yeah. And... That's a good thing. <laughs> When you, when you come back to penalties, I remember I, there was a. I'm not sure which game it was, but I remember um, Zdeno Chara was chasing down a guy that was pretty much on a breakaway, and he and Chara's stick is so damn long that he got inside and kind of lifted his stick up, and that was that was called as a slash. Yeah. You know, I I didn't I didn't and it wasn't even near the hand. It was like the middle of the stick when you just you know it's 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 a hockey play, but because I think the referee was off to the side or not in a perfect line to see what was actually happening, he gave Chara a, uh, a slash call, but... Yeah. Dumb refs. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, I was also looking at the playoff structure, so if if we place third, we have to go through Toronto, Tampa, and Pittsburgh, if the playoffs started now. If you place second, you can avoid some of those teams, besides Toronto. Like, it's inevitable that we're playing the Leafs in the first round. Um... The good news is there's. they announced today there is no update on Austin Matthews. All they can say is that he's skating, but he can't play. Yeah, it hurts my fantasy team, which Rob kicked the shit out of me last last week. Hey, twice. Another today. dollar. Another yeah, another like dollar. You're, you're on fire today. <laughs> sorry. Uh, watch, watch it with the language. I know, I know. I'm sorry. We are uh, yeah. respectable. We, exactly. I'm, I'm kicking everyone's ass in that. Oh, jeez. Seriously, with this stuff. That's, that's not cussing. That isn't. It is. You're not oh. talking about a donkey here. So. I was. No. <laughs> oh, that's animal abuse. No. Peter. Peter. Um, yeah. um, what else do we got? Um, you know what I really wanted to talk about was the, the play of uh, Noel Chari. Um, I... I I haven't been the biggest fan of his, but I, I've been really watching him play. And when I have a, ch- a chance to uh, go back and watch a game, I kind of focus on that fourth line um, a lot more uh, on the replays. But that guy's got a pretty sick pair of hands. And I was I was having a conversation with friend of the show, um, Brandon Shea Cohen, uh, about it. and he's And he was actually, Mark, I'm surprised you noticed that too. Uh, just the way he was, his head's up all the time. He's looking for make to make plays. He's out there hitting people. That's the type of fourth line player I really, really thrive on. And and 
it has been as uh, pleasant to see uh, this season with uh, names like uh, Sean Corrali and Nola Chari and whoever else is Shala, Tim Shala, Shala the Silky Mets. Yeah, right. Yeah, but but all three of those those guys on that fourth line can all like pull it out when it's needed. Yeah. Oh, sure. I mean, those... they, like if you just look at the shallow goal from the other week, like he just walked through everyone. Yeah. And you, no one was expecting that. So... I I could almost guarantee, and I know it's you know throwing it out there, but if one of those players, any one of those three on the fourth line, were playing on the first and second role, second line, I guarantee players like. Bergeron and and Krejci could make those guys fifteen goal scorers every year. You oh. know what I mean? It, they they just have that talent, and I absolutely love it. It's just it's good to see that we're, we're uh, they're running with the four lines of, of depth that I've been I've been preaching about for Jesus uh, three four years now. Uh, it's just good to see, and it's all coming together. So, and our fourth line is technically like five guys now, right? Because yep. you got Gian, when when everybody's healthy, it'd be. It'll be a rotation of Gianta, Wingles, and and Coralia, Chari, and and Schaller. And it's when you think about it for Cassidy's perspective, he's like, okay, what do I need this game? Yeah, and because for some reason they've all been interchangeable and they've all played well yeah. when they when they come back and their energy, as as you were alluding to before, Rob, they were coming in. You throw he'd throw those guys back out there as an energy line. Yeah, and I think that. Uh... Wingles and Gionta especially are guys that can give the youngsters some rest. Like Heinen got scratched the other the other game, mm-hmm. um, and Gionta and Wingles played the th- uh, third line. And then, I mean, you could scratch Jake DeBrus just as a I, I wouldn't not with how he's playing at the moment, but you could scratch him just to give him a bit of rest, ready for the playoffs, and put Wingles or on, uh, on the second line. So I, I think they're the perfect addition to be able to give guys the rest that they need. Oh, we're not touching that second line. No. Oh, no. <laughs> no don't touch no. it. No. I will drive. I'm flying down on Thursday, but I will drive down. No one touches that line. We've got a seventh player award coming up as well soon. Yes. Yeah, we should talk about that, definitely. But uh, just, just to go back on... on on what court was saying about these, these players and, and the depth that this team has. I think it's really great that a, a coach like uh, Bruce Cassidy, who do didn't have great success in, in, uh, in Washington, his first year as a, as a, an NHL head coach, uh, obviously getting um, not, not his efforts or, or lack thereof uh, getting uh, the Alexander Ovechkin pick because the team was that bad. Um, it's just the way he he inserts these role players into into these games and and it just finds a way. Like I, I'm sure that uh, Joe Sacco, Jay Pandolfo, and Kevin Dean are all involved in this too. But it, it just seems like each one of them can find a way to get a player like Gianta involved. Like going back in history and saying, "Well, this guy had uh, great success against this team," or he, you know what I mean. It's just the way he puts everything together, and it just seems like it's just gel really good. And what's the the best part about this whole thing is the team listens and they want to learn. They just seem like they're uh, the fresh voice is is working, and it's and it's been a, a great thing to watch. So, well, what did Bergeron say a couple of weeks ago when they asked him the difference? And he didn't say he didn't say anything negative about Claude. He just said, "Let's just play." Yeah, 
That's and that's the that's the fact. It's like, you know, it it almost seems that they're they are a very defensive team, but they're really not. They're they're very offensive minded club right now, and not, you know, what I see and and what you guys see might be totally different, but. You know, the neutral zone is a tough place to play uh, against these Bruins these days. Back when another coach was playing, it was almost like that they were allowing the play to come in there and then really tighten up at the blue line. You know, it's just they they are playing a better three-zone game than I've ever seen in the, in the past four years. Let's put it that way. And they're going to have bad games. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Nobody it's wins all 82. That's what, that's what it feels like. Their record is 40, 15, and 8. No one even thought they were going to make the playoffs this year. They were a bubble team. They are 88 points. They're, you know, they haven't clinched the playoffs, but I'm going to knock on wood. They're 100% making the playoffs. But they've only lost 15 games, people. Yeah. And then when they ever lose a game, it's like people lose their mind all over again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so... uh... Just to uh, get another conversation in here, the seventh player award is coming up when, Rob? Do you know? Uh, I'm not. I'm not too sure. I think it's the, vote, the voting's now, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. Some point next week, I think. So, court's on it. I can hear it. <laughs> yeah, I'm literally going to vote right now. Nice. <laughs> Wait, I think we can. I don't know. Someone was saying you can vote. The fans vote, right? Um, and I'm pretty sure there's at least me and Court have the same pick. I'm not sure about Mark. But... I well, I'm, I'll tell you my. I have three that I'm I'm going to talk about, but I'm I'll choose one, and it's going to be surprising. I know to you guys because just from my conversations in the past, Jake DeBrusque has got to be one of them. Uh, first year, yes, that's my pick. You know, I mean, he's been playing so well, and I think that year in Providence last season was was solid for his his um, career as an NHLer and a rookie. So, my second one is Danton Heinen. I think Danton Heinen's been really good, and he's up there in points in in rookie goal scoring. I mean, not not top three, not top five, but he's up there, and and that's something to be something to you know an honorable mention. But another pick that is. I've been hearing a lot about, and it's and is is Anton Hudobin. I think that the the supporting role that he's been doing this season has been uh, absolutely amazing, and I and it looks like he's going to continue. I mean, we got we got every other game, every other day games in the month of March. So for him to to really step up and and give Tuka that rest that we're going to need for for that potential playoff run. Is going to be huge on his part. So I'd, I'd have to give him a candidacy too. But if I did have to come down to a pick, Jake DeBrusque is my guy. Yeah, that, that's the same for me in court. Um, I, I've been saying to play on a second line in an NHL team, especially the Bruins, and do what he's done. I mean, he's one of them quiet players. No one complains about him. Not a lot of people big him up. I, I just think he's done an amazing job this season and he's scoring all his goals on saturday (laughs) yeah he scores them on saturdays just to let people know nice and his celebrations are better than anyone on the team like that little fist pump thing that he does when he scores oh yeah uh yeah i mean I, i i love seeing someone so 
like amazed with it when they just score a goal. Like it doesn't matter what goal it is, it doesn't matter if it ties a game or wins a game or it's just an an extra goal. He loves to score goals. And that's something we needed for a long time. So now, now this I, the, the seventh player award is a fan vote, so I wouldn't be surprised correct. if uh like a, a player like Adam McQuaid wins it. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I, I really yeah. do think McAvoy wins it. Um, you know, Pastor Max won it twice. Um, I think McAvoy is probably leading the votes. I, I can't find, I'm trying, it doesn't say anywhere. Um, I would say, I, I agree with Mark, I think DeBrus deserves it. I think uh, Anton Hodobin deserves it. And um, I, at the beginning of the year, I would have said Bacchus, but playing right now uh my third um because i can't i can't ever give it to brad marchand or bergeron because it's just just so darn good yeah and, they, and they've won it in the past but right now in the last month and a half david Krejci is another name to me nice I, I, it's just he's played so well and it's just like just they were just talking about it on hockey night in canada how well he's been at face-offs this year yep and it goes unnoticed because he plays on a team with patrice bergeron hey, hey speaking of face-offs real quick court I want to go back on what you just said. Do you think that Krejci's um, increased productivity in the circle is because of the change in rules? Yes, because he's always been that guy that waits. I think okay. Bergeron was the one who said it in an interview. So, someone said it on Twitter, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong. If anybody thinks I'm wrong, just tweet me and let me know or uh, send Mark a message. Um, why, why is it always me? <laughs> uh, you know, you got more followers. Okay, um, thanks. You know. Um, but yeah, they, they always say that Krejci and Plaklanix is another guy. Plaklanix on the, on the lease right now. They're both guys that always took the face off the way they're supposed to, everybody's supposed to do it now. So they very rarely get booted out. Okay. It's not to say Bergeron's cheating by any means. Um, a lot of times, you know, it's his wingers are not helping him getting him booted out, but is what it is. Um, my three picks for the seventh player have to be, uh, Jake DeBrusque, uh, Matt Grizzlick. And probably Sean Corelli. Oh, those guys have been just unreal this year. By the way, we no, can't. No one saw, saw Corelli being an 82 game player for the Bruins this season. No one. No. That guy was like going to be what second, third line center in Providence. And no one saw him being a piece in the Milan Lucic trade. Oh yeah. I, I mean, no one saw getting two firsts and Sean Corelli for. Milan Lucic, like no way, and now you can't even get a fifth round pick for him. So and and Edmonton trail. doesn't even and Edmonton doesn't even want him. So and fans wanted him back over Nash. Come on. <laughs> By the way, Rob, I just looked at the rules. So eligibility on seven player work, I can't even vote. Oh, okay. either case, you have to be a resident uh, yeah. of Connecticut, Maine, Massachusetts, yeah. New Hampshire, Rhode Island, or Vermont. Yeah, there is and a you, way to, you can change and, your VPN. So you they also want to know who your television is. Oh, I'm gonna vote on Thursday if I still can. Because my hotel yeah. VPN will tell me that I'm in Boston. So there you go. Whatever. I'm voting. I'm saying it right now. I'm, I'm messing up the vote. I'm gonna put as many votes in as possible for Jake DeBrusque. We got everybody there to do it in my hotel room. I got 13 of us. 13 votes for Mister DeBrusque. <laughs> and actually, believe it or not, the uh, winner of last year's car on the seventh player award was actually friends of mine. Um, their season ticket holders down in Providence. And they uh, do a great job with the uh, the fan club. Um, they pretty much run that. So uh, Stephen, Rhonda, and Jenna LaBush, 
they were, took the car home la- uh, last year, which was uh, they kept it quiet for a while uh, in, until the day it happened, and then bam, it came out. So, uh, congrats to them. I'm even considering buying a DeBrus jersey um, for the out when they bring out the new outdoor game jersey next year. Nice, because I got the pass for this year. I think I'm going to get a DeBrusque. Nice. I like Jake. I think I might get one too. Kid's good. I want him. I want a Nash jersey. <laughs> I want him back. Hey, I'll say this I'm right now. I want put back. it halfway between sixty and twenty, so it counts as both of them. You should hey, get it. Every, oh, every time they go into overtime, I joke now. I say uh, Nash is going to get the goal because you got two. It's two votes right there. Yeah. But can you get like you should get Nash assists on Nash goal? Uh, dude, if we can get a third Nash on this team and have the oh, Nash. Oh my god. Because you know I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to set a trend of the monster Nash. It doesn't look like it's catching on. But I, think it's, I still it's, love that. Every single time he scores, I'm thinking of doing the match, the monster match, but I think of Nash because he's so big. And... Yeah, yeah, he's crazy. Oh, uh, I think that's gonna do it. We are at our hour. Uh, please stay tuned uh, after our little break for um, Josh, uh, writer from the Stanley. Sorry, shipping. Oh. oh. Shipping up the causeway.com website. Sorry, Josh. Um, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Please uh, buy our stuff. We have merchandise. We have some uh, limited edition stuff on bngshop.bigcartel.com. Check it out. Support the show. Uh, support the show by other ways. Go to blackandgoldhockey.com and use our Fanatics banner when you're shopping for any anything sports-related. It's, it, it's not just brewing stuff. It's all sports, so go and check it out. Um, you forgot to use the line. What line? We know you're all nines. Oh, yeah. We are... <laughs> I know. Oh, wow. I know. Thanks, Rob. Uh, oh, and if anybody wants to start a GoFundMe for Rob to come to uh, the whoa, United whoa, States, whoa. come on. <laughs> you, you're going to object for people paying for your way to come to, the, to a Bruins game? No, but I'm not a charity case at the same time. I'm not saying you're a charity case. That's <laughs> oh, I will make it there one day. Right. I'm trying to help. If anyone has a spare canoe... A spare uh, canoe! <laughs> I'm willing to make the journey. You can go fund me if I canoe all the way from like Ireland over to Boston. That's how you can go fund me. Actually, I want to... There's a joke in there. I'm going to let that one go. The last ball. No. Said I'm letting it go. Hang on. A Can you imagine? I start. Look at this. Swi- Dead air. I start swimming in, and all you hear is the English are coming. <laughs> it's just me in a canoe. Oh, did you guys also see that uh, the Bruins have the highest chance of winning the Stanley Cup right now? I hate that. I didn't. Oh, is that that moneypuck.com? Yeah. So they're 11.2. Tampa Bay is 10.8. Uh, Winnipeg have the... Oh, you're right. 13%. Thank you, Rob. Thank God. Winnipeg's jinx. I love it. I don't want to have the highest. You're welcome. I saw that before and I was like, Bruins have the best chance? No way. And then I looked at it again and I was like, ah, Winnipeg. Okay. Vegas is slowly losing that chance. They haven't been playing well lately. Although Vasilevsky's not been looking good in the past couple of games. Can I say that? Um, Real real quick, I want to get to these because I, I didn't... I, I keep forgetting. Uh, we do have some uh, um, iTunes reviews, and they're all positive. Uh, 
one, if you're a hockey fan and a particular Bruins fan, this is the podcast you need. Intelligent conversations regarding the Bruins without jokes that aren't funny or stupid sound effects. I, I like that one. That was from... But they uh, said intelligent conversations. <laughs> that was from... That was from Right D twenty seven. Thank you, Right D. Uh, this is uh, these guys know their bees. This is from Mad Dog four twenty. Uh, Rob, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like them already. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Rob Court and Mark bring you weekly Bruins news and and prospect talk. I listen to a lot of hockey podcasts and a handful of Bruins specific ones. That no one. Oh, wow, wait a minute. My eyes are bad. I'm going blind. I was going to say Grammarly, no. It uh, brings as much depth to the Bruins coverage as these guys at Black and Gold. Thank you very much, Mad Dog. Uh, this is uh, Jonesy22. Oh. Uh, just became a subscriber of the podcast. It is a solid as it comes when breaking down what's going on with our favorite team of Boston Bruins. Informative, solid hosts, and solid guests. Check it out. Thank you, Jonesy22. Uh, I can't even read this. Rensed zero 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 outstanding for Bruins fans. Mark Rob, <laughs> Mark Rob, and especially Court Lalonde, the most Canadian name ever. Uh, bring the best analysis of the Boston Bruins you could ask for. Their different continents come together and to break down the roster schedule and recap from the past week's games. Plus, Mark always has some good, solid guests on the AHL and other leagues uh, and the prospects. So, must subscribe. So, thank you, everybody, uh, for those uh, great, great um, comments and, uh, and reviews. So, it's pretty yeah, badass. We haven't had any questions in a while, so well, hopefully some guys can start giving us... Well, I really want to get back into the, 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 uh, the mailbag, but people aren't, aren't really following along so i just stopped posting for a while so i can get caught up on other things so we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll bring yeah, it back even, even on twitter anything if yeah you wanna give us a question we're happy to answer it yeah we, we normally record our show on sunday so if you want to sh- shout out uh i mean uh throw us a, a question before then we'll try to get it on for you all right boys uh thank you very much thank you everybody for listening uh we'll be back next week oh we'll be minus one next week so that would be um, me, yeah, I'm over here. Uh, he, uh, Court will be in Boston, so uh, we'll try to schedule another guest uh, to uh, fill in the slack, maybe, per se. Just All right, that was my funny fail, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, I'll talk to you soon, and uh, please stay tuned for uh, my friend Josh and uh, shipping at the Cogway.com writer. Passion. Talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! Gets onto the skate of Nikki Petty and Jack Stanika shorthanded breakaway scores. Tucks it in underneath Cole Cece and it's a 1 0 Oshawa lead. Now McLeod mishandles and Donato tries to make a pay. Here's Donato in deep. Ryan Donato.
in front, and that's Trent Frederick on the one-time redirect. Frederick with his fourth, and Team USA now up eight to two. Hey, Bruins fans, as mentioned earlier, um, I have uh, another great guest uh, returning. His name is Josh, and he writes for the uh, ShippingUpToCauseway.com website. Uh, you can find him at 2Causeway. Josh, thank you very much for taking some time today. Mark, this is a, this is a back-to-back session. I'm really digging this. This is great. I'm uh, happy to be back on. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, I want to kind of – I've been trying to get – a not trying, but getting away from um, the prospect talk because I've been super busy with the website and, and, and our regular podcast. But I wanted to bring you on because I know you talk, a, you watch a lot of uh, Providence Bruins hockey and, and I know a little bit about the prospect. So um, yeah, absolutely. let's just uh, dive right in. Uh, let's start in the AHL with the Providence Bruins uh, on Sunday, February 25th, 2018 at the Dunkin' Donuts Center, the Providence Bruins host the Hartford Wolfpack. Um, it was a entertaining game, but the the first the first period was the best. The, the last two were just uh, it, it was entertaining, but it was boring because there was no scoring. Uh, right? Yeah, I, that that seems to, you either get a uh, offensive output from the team or you get next to nothing. And yeah. Exactly, and we'll get to that offensive output uh, in the next two games. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> uh, just to uh, get the fans filled in, in the first period, uh, Colton Hargrove scores his 14th of the season, uh, assisted by Emilio Johansson and Justin Hickman at five foot thirteen, and then uh, Providence Austin Zionic scores his 14th from Fitzgerald and new uh, Providence Bruin guy that just signed a PTO yesterday, I believe. Uh, Saucerman, I'm not sure is his first name, at the 17:04 mark of the first period, and that was it for scoring for the game. Uh, Providence you basically uh, turned it off at that point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Providence Bruins got goaltender Zane McIntyre stopped all 24 Hartford Wolfpack shots. The Baby Bees went 0 for 6 on the power play and uh, outshot the Hartford Wolfpack uh, by the 38 to 24 advantage. Um, it's good to see this team getting back on track, especially after this game on Sunday, the 25th. Yeah, but, for sure. For sure. They've been doing much better of late. It seems like they've kind of erased that, uh, inconsistency and kind of, uh, j- just not being able to put much on the table in the month of January. And now they seem to really have found their groove, their rhythm again. I don't know what it's been, but it seems like honestly, now that a few of the uh, reinforcements from Boston are gone, they're actually doing a lot better. Yes, absolutely. Um, now jumping to uh, Friday night's game, Friday, March 2nd, 2018, at the dunk again. Uh, and, and an offensive explosion to start the weekend on Friday. Um, let's just uh, – Get right off on the first period. Austin Zarnick scores his fifteenth of the goal from Tommy Cross, and Paul Postma, who gets his first uh, point as a Providence Bruins player after being demoted and clearing waivers. Uh, the second period, Colby Cave gets his fifth from Porter and Chris Porter and Jeremy Lawson. That was a shorthanded goal at the twelve fourteen mark, and then it was just a, a crazy, crazy, crazy third period. 
uh, Providence, uh, Josh Hennessy scores his eighth from uh, Solaric and Kenny Agostino at the 8-18 mark. Uh, Providence, Jordan Swartz scores his, uh, I believe, team-leading 17th goal from Colton Hargrove yep. and Austin Zarnick, and that was a power play goal at the 13-05 mark. Providence, Peter Kleherick scores his eighth from Agostino at 14-02. And to end the uh, third period, Providence, Chris Porter scores his second from Anton Bleed and Paul Postma, who gets his second uh, point as a Providence Bruins player with the empty netter. Yep, uh, shots the deal. Yeah, shots on goal. Uh, Providence outshot um, Charlotte. 42 to 38. They were one for two on the power play, and McIntyre gets the win, stopping uh, 28. I'm sorry, he made 25 saves on 28 shots. Yep, yep. So, yeah, you know, what I liked about that game was if you notice, Providence has a lot of high shot totals, and I've noticed in the low scoring games, they're taking very low danger shots. Like if you've ever seen one of those diagrams of the attacking zone where there's kind of those hot zones. Oh yeah. The heat maps. Yeah. The heat maps. Oh, those things are fantastic. Exactly. And I think what's happening is that in those high scoring games with high shot totals, the Providence shots are more dangerous than the, uh, than the games where they generate a, a ton of shots, but no goals. So I, I'm thinking that's what seems to be happening, and they figured out how to get more of the high danger shots than the net, and it's resulting and it's, it's you know coming up big for them on the scoreboard. And and to round off our discussion on the Providence Bruins games, at least um, they uh, played last night at the XL Center in Hartford against the once again Hartford Wolfpack. Uh, starting off in the first period, uh, Adam Peril. Uh, scores his fifth from Ward. He's a new, I believe, a new signing. Yes, he is. At 9.28. And Zach Senishin scored his eighth from Cross, Tommy Cross in Colby Cave at 11.49. Uh, Second period, uh, Peter Solaric scores his ninth from Chris Breen and Kenny Agostino at 9.41. And the third period, again, the second game in a row that this team has just been explosive and, and puts these teams away. Uh, the third period seems to be their best period historically this season. I, I, I wish I had some uh, more concrete stats in front of me, but I know that when I'm watching AHL Live, the announcers will go on and on about how the third period is usually Providence's best, and that's exactly what you said, right, where they put teams away and seal the deal. Let's, let's break this down right now. And I got, I got, the, uh, I got some stats from um, uh, uh, the media package that I got. Uh, Providence Bruins have outscored by period in the first, 49 to 46. In the second, 45 to 42. In the third, 63 to 43. Jeez. And without counting any of the overtimes or the shootouts, the Providence Bruins have outscored their opponents uh, 168 to 136. That's so they, yeah, so they definitely do, you know, when they see that the game is like kind of going downhill a little bit, even though they might have the lead, they really wrap it up in the third period. And I believe that that is definitely, you have to give credit to um, uh, first year coach Jay Leach. Uh, You know, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors in the locker room, but there's obviously some kind of inspirational speech that he gives and really motivates his team. So 
Um, he knows a lot how to push the right buttons for sure. Oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. You can see it. You can see like when when they're down, when they're kind of out of it. You know, there have been times when they go into the locker room and then they come out, and you wonder if it's the same team that's taking the ice as, as it was before. I mean, it's absolutely amazing how he gets them to turn around. Like he knows how to work with the young kids, which is fantastic, and exactly why he belonged at the uh, AHL All Star Game. Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, that was his first too, as a uh, first year head coach. Uh, just to get back to this game, uh, shots on goal um, were thirty-three to thirty-three, so it was tied. Uh, the power play zero for one for the Baby Bees, and Jordan Bennington with the win, making uh, thirty-one saves on thirty-three shots. He had a shutout going till about midway through the third period too, which is pretty impressive. I know. Jordan Eight. Bennington's actually been kind of slipping of late, but that game kind of reset everything in my mind like that was that was a good solid commanding win that kind of restored my confidence in him a bit yeah i've been pleasantly surprised by the way he's he's really taken this uh this role on this providence bruins team as a as a player that's not even a bruins prospect he's he's on loan uh from the st louis blues organization and um has he's got some really good numbers this year and and you're right i have noticed that he hasn't been slipping a little bit but if you look on the other side of the coin and Zane McIntyre, Zane's been playing well as of late, but has been very streaky in the past. And and mm-hmm. his numbers this season don't reflect any of what he did last season as his best career AHL um, year. So yeah, I think with McIntyre, it's just kind of a kind of a sophomore slump. Like now he's kind of into the into the grind. Like he knows that he is. Too, almost too good for the AHL, but not quite ready yet for the NHL. So he's trying to figure out how to overcome that plateau. And maybe that's what the season's all about for him. Yeah. So at, at, to, to get up to date right now, the Providence Bruins are in third place in the Atlantic Division. They're in fifth place in the Eastern Conference. In 57 games played, they have a 34-18-3-2 record with 73 points. They're currently on a three-game winning streak. Uh, they're 7-2-0-1-1 in the last 10 games, and the next game is this afternoon at 3:05 at the dunk against the Springfield Thunderbirds, where Providence has a 4-5-1-1 record this season. Uh, th- these two teams play just way too much for me. I'm talking about the Springfield <laughs> Thunderbirds. I mean, yep. I, I, I wrote an article um, earlier this year, uh, before the season started, actually. it was I believe it was during the offseason when the AHL released their... Uh, their their season 2017-18 season schedule and you you place uh, Hartford twelve times you play Springfield twelve times you know it's just there's a lot of hockey and and, and for for two teams that see each other so much you, you'd think you would, the the Providence Bruins would have an upper hand because you know these teams and and their weaknesses and what they expose. But Springfield has been kind of a thorn in this team's side as of late yeah, in this this season. Them so, and the uh, Bridgeport Sound Tigers seem to just have the Beep Bruins numbers for whatever reason, and I can't figure it out. I mean, <clears throat> the one thing I can su- I can suggest is that if you kind of play a one three one trap style game against the P Bruins, they don't know what to do with themselves. They you just watch them kind of like they can't make a clean zone entry. They can't carry it effectively. So I'm thinking that maybe Bridgeport and uh, Springfield employ kind of that trap-style game, or they can switch into that trap-style game, maybe from 
doing like a one-two-two into a one-three-one, and they just gum up the neutral zone. And for whatever reason, I I, I can't figure it out, Mark. The P Bruins just cannot get over that. They cannot get over playing a team playing the trap against them. Yeah, it's um kind of reminds me of what happened in the playoffs with, between the Bruins and the Ottawa Senators last year. Exactly. Yeah, you need that good first pass, and you need to recognize the geometry and break through it because once you understand what you're playing against it's actually kind of easy to get around the one through one i mean it's not like it's rocket science it's one guy three guys one guy all you need to do is just figure out the geometry figure out how to make that correct pass around that kind of wall of guys and you're pretty much good because it's just it's just such a lazy system and you need the right guys for it so I feel like Providence has enough weapons that once they get into the offensive zone, they're fine. A uh, couple of questions before we move on um, to the East Coast Hockey League and talk about Dan Vladar. Um, Paul Postma, how, how do you? I thought he played well um, as a as a, an NHL veteran uh, making a, the demotion to Providence, but uh, I, I'm curious in what your thoughts is as as a as a veteran and and a, and. Now, a, a guy with experience uh, and a little bit of leadership. Um, uh, your thoughts on his game? I like it because, first of all, I mean, it actually helps out the P. Bruins in a big way because I think we talked about the last time um, that they're very heavy on left-handed defensemen. So uh, Paul Postma is a right-shot defenseman, which we only have two of, including him. And now, actually, I think one because Connor Clifton got injured in the game against Charlotte. So it helps from a technical standpoint, but I think he brings a lot of just sound, solid advice. And he's been in the AHL, excuse me, the NHL a couple of years now. So he can help out the kids like Bauzon, like Zaboro, kind of put their game together and figure out what it, what they'll need to do to make that jump to the NHL. So I think his experience is a huge boost to the team and. I like the way he's been playing. If you watched him, especially, um, just trying to think in my head, on Friday night, he had a lot of good looks. He he just knew where to be more sooner, for lack of a better term. He just knew where to be instinctively on the ice than some of the kids did. So I'm really hoping that he imparts that technical knowledge to them and that they figure it out we figure out what the what what they'll need to jump to the uh, NHL level. Yeah, um, just reading up on this, uh, uh, Jakob Borsbaka Carlson missed his first game of the season on Friday due to an injury, and mm-hmm. and him and Jakob Zboro are not expected to play at all this weekend. Um, that could be an issue, uh, especially up the middle with with JFK the way he's been playing oh. this season. And on the back end, and I, I don't give a crap what people say. Uh, you know, there's there's so many. The narrative of of defensemen scoring in the in the developing leagues is just asinine yeah. to me. You know, yeah. you don't have to lead the league in, in points as a defenseman to be good or or a bust in the draft. Jakob Zboro mm-hmm. plays a very sound game. He's not a very offensive defenseman. He's not going to get all these goals, and, but he's going to be a shutdown type of guy. And, exactly. and and I know that people jump on the uh, my, you know, I, I happen to like the plus minus stat. And he mm-hmm. is third among uh, rookie defensemen 
uh, in the league this season, uh, I believe with a plus 16 or 17 or even higher. Um, but you know what that does? It tells me that he's doing the right things on the ice as a team, as a line, as a, as a, as a group. So, And if um, you look at the line combinations, generally he's <clears throat> top pairing almost all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so, he, is he playing against the top line, but he still has that good plus minus suggesting that he's generating more for the team than he is being a liability on the ice. Yeah, and as a defense, as a developing defenseman, he's he's gaining a lot of trust from from his head coach Jay Leach, and and that's something to be noticed. I mean, uh, my suggestion is stop looking at the stats and start watching the games. It's only seven dollars and ninety nine cents to watch every game. I know it's a little expensive, but uh, if you want to properly evaluate, you need to freaking see these kids play. And um, exactly. So, or you can watch him play on the power play. You know, because that that happened once. Yeah. a couple of times that was a, that was a real funny look i was like is that zabora lining up on left wing on the power play yeah. <laughs> what was going on here yeah that was a that was an interesting one all right uh what else did i have oh you know what i this is kind of a hot topic between uh the the, the main show and 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 some some bruins fans but uh ryan donato uh oh yeah Please don't don't do anything stupid and burn one of the, a year off his ELC just because we think we, that we need him. He, at the very least, I hope that he signs an ATO with Providence, plays in the playoffs, gets the kind of knowledge of the system down, and then we'll reevaluate him come development camp time. Because while his Olympic performance was great, um, he's not ready for the NHL. He's got an NHL shot, but remember my toolbox analogy. He's got the tools. He just needs to know how to use them better. Yeah, and it, my my biggest thing is is what you just said was all spot on for me, and I totally agree with that. I believe that he should start in Providence uh, and, and finish the season out there if he does, in fact, sign. There's the other option that he goes back to school and finishes his senior year, which I am not against. Oh, yeah, further, further development in the NCAA is not a bad thing, but so many people freak out that he's going to do the Jimmy Vesey thing, you know, yeah. and that's, that's no way. This kid, this kid's father was a Boston Bruins player for a, a, a short time. He grew up in the area. Grew up, I believe, was born in Situate. So, I, yeah, he he, he bleeds black and, black and gold. You <laughs> not do something like that. Absolutely not. Right. I I understand the VC situation, but. No, I mean, that's kind of the exception to the rule. I mean, somebody does it once and everybody starts freaking out. But no, that not not everybody is, uh, uh, I don't want to speak ill of people, but not everybody is a piece of work, if you know what I'm saying. Exactly. You see, my biggest thing is is the, the urgency to bring him to the NHL after what he did at Harvard and the Olympics is just a little premature to me. I, I And the other thing is, is like, I have... I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I kind of have the I you know want to go with the faith of who got you to be successful this season and believe in those players mm-hmm. uh, from the for, for the remainder of the 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 uh, under twenty games remaining in this in this two thousand seventeen eighteen season, um, and it it I think it would send a really bad message yes, to a player exactly. that's going to sit like this kid has no NHL experience, but I've got. 
30 or 50 games under my and belt. scratched in favor of him. Like, yeah. You know, what, it, what kind of a message does that send in the room? Exactly. So, you know, if, if, if the Bruins weren't in a playoff picture right now and they wanted to get him in and get some experience, I could see that. But, yeah, I w- yeah for sure. But yeah, if we're, if we're riding this amazing run that they've been on since, uh, I want to say, November – why? Why would you do that? Why would you mess up the chemistry now? I mean, I'm even a little wary of uh, ruining the chemistry that they had kind of with Spooner in the lineup, but though we now see that the additions made at the trade deadline are paying dividends. Oh, my God, yeah. It's been it's been crazy. And good, yeah. and, and good, good on Spooner. Good on Spooner to go to the New York and be positive about that and, and play the way he plays. Maybe maybe a, uh, a, a new scenery is, is just what he needed. Because he is, he's, he's, he's got it. Yeah. I think he's got like six points in three games. Oh yeah, maybe That's even cool. more. So I mean, good for him. Um, and the thing is, he's what he's doing is he's probably playing. I think I mentioned this last week. He's playing himself into a raise. Yeah, Which yeah, is great. I mean, good for you, Spooner. You're doing what you need to do to succeed in the league. And I wish him all the best in the in the in the Rangers system. Like I hope that he absolutely flourishes and figures everything out and yeah I, I wish I have nothing but good things to say about Ryan Spooner but just like you said he's playing himself into a raise in New York but in that situation and the way he's playing might not be affordable to the Bruins and, and their strict cap which they're always mm-hmm. pretty much up against the ceiling you know exactly. I don't think the, I don't think they could have resigned him uh, with with the plans that they want to do especially if they're trying to you know I mean obviously the the trade was happened you know but you get Rick Nash now now that you have him and you want to resign him the, a player like Spooner is now expendable which obviously he is because of the trade happened so exactly yeah I think uh, the last time we met I said uh riley nash and spooner playing themselves into big raises and we're starting to see that kind of absolutely yeah good call on you um moving to the east coast hockey league the atlanta gladiators uh bruins prospect goaltender dan vladar has been struggling lately and it's got an 0-4 record in his last four starts in those four games he's given up 11 goals and has a 3.31 goals against average and a 909 save percentage the third round selection of the Bs in 2015 has a record of 14-16-1 with a 2.99 goals against and a 9-10 save percentage. The Glads are in uh, the middle of the South Division with a 27-31-2 record with 57 points and ninth in the Eastern Conference currently out of the playoff picture. Now, you've seen Vladar play when he's been called up. And, you know... That's, I was exact, I was going to bring that up. I'm not worried at all about him because when he came up to play for Providence, I have his stats in front of me. Um, this season, he has a 1.46 goals against average and a .949 save percentage. So, And he's I unbeaten. Product, I, I think it's a product of him just being in a not exactly the best of circumstances. I mean, let's face it, the East Coast Hockey League is nowhere near the AHL and even more removed from the NHL. So I think it's just the quality of players that he's with at the moment that's making his stats look worse than they actually are. Because if you watch, like you said, you've got to watch the kids to see what, how they do. And when he's in Providence, 
this guy is amazing. He's explosive, absolutely explosive in the net. I mean, you you watch him make saves that he has no business making, and it's just amazing when he has a competent defense in front of him. I think it's just, a, unfortunately, a product of the environment right now. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to him coming up to the AHL, hopefully at some point in the near er future, and so that he doesn't have to be around the uh, ECHL scrubs anymore. What, what what Dan Vladar is doing down in Atlanta is he's getting a ton of shots. I mean, exactly. and he's and he's and believe it or not, put his stats away as you know. But to the listeners out there that that think that he you know is not a future, he is. He's got great attributes. He works hard, um, but he's getting the pucks that he needs to see at at, at a regular basis, and and he thrives when he gets called up in, in, with a better structured team like the Providence Bruins. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, if you look at those stats in front of you, is he unbeaten in the AHL? Um, or does he have one loss? Unfortunately, Elite Prospects does not tell me about what his uh, win-loss record is right now. But... I, I could be wrong, but if I am, reach out to uh, at Black and Gold 277 and give me hell. But um, I, I think he's unbeaten. Uh, I think he might like have a four zero and two record or something like that, but his numbers are great, and you could definitely yeah. see he plays so much better when when he's got better quality guys in front of him that support. So, if you look at Dan Vladar, he's a very tall, lanky sort of guy, and you'd think that's not a hockey player, but he take when he gets in net, he takes up so much of it, Mark. I mean, it's amazing how much of the net he actually takes up. And then his limbs are absolutely, like, like I said, explosive. There's no other real term for that. He just, the, his glove hand comes out, his blocker comes out, stick work, everything. Everything is just so explosive about him. I love his dynamic style of play. Yeah, the, um, I, I, I especially enjoy, I, I do watch some, some East Coast Hockey League games, not as much as I do the Providence Bruins. Uh, but I, I do try to keep up on him and, and, and try to properly evaluate or, or give a proper evaluation uh, to folks that ask on the regular. But um, I, I'm, I like the way he moves. I think that he works very well with a, a goaltender coach like, uh, like Bob Asenza. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I go to uh, a lot of uh, development camps. I, uh, as you know, I base my, my summer uh, vacations around the four-day event, and I'm there every day. So uh, it's That's exciting to watch the young kids. Um, you should you should make the trip up sometime. Oh, absolutely, I will. In fact, uh, this year I'm definitely planning a, a small vacation around that as well, so I'll probably see you there. Oh, man, that'd be great to uh, hook up because uh, like, I'm there. I, I kind of reserve a table with the, uh, with the great people at, at the Warrior Ice Arena, so they've always accommodated me uh, very well for the last uh, – uh, Two times I've been there. Um, I've been there for a, a NHL camp and then um, a development camp, and then before that it was uh, at that old old house in Wilmington. That was so, <laughs> yeah, it was so old and cold. And I mean, it could be a hundred degrees outside in in Ju- July and, and and like minus thirty in the rink, and it was just yep. And you see pe- people like Joe Haggerty walking around in shorts and. And in sandals, I'm like, oh my god. That's you know, he's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Um, Getting back to Dan Vladar. Oh, um, I'm, actually, I'm done with that. 
Oh, sorry. I figured I, uh, I thought that I interrupted you by accident. Nope, nope, nope. I just, uh, I, I look forward to seeing him. I, I believe, um, I don't think Jordan Bennington's going to be around next season. So I, I think that a, a player like Vladar could easily uh, go right into the AHL. So I think uh, what we might see from him is like, uh, remember when we had Subban and McIntyre? We had like a 1A and 1B tandem. Yep. They got about the same number of starts, but not, not, there wasn't no real true-to-form backup. It was a 1A, 1B situation. They both kind of just took the reins. It was like a, a carriage drawn by two horses. Yeah, and that that's one thing that fans just don't understand. They think that Zane McIntyre is a starter. And and it's like, well, if you look at the numbers, they're pretty comparable as in the games played. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and people say, no, you're wrong. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Of course I'm not wrong because if you look at the schedule, the, the AHL predominantly operates on a three-day weekend. Friday mm-hmm. night, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, whatever. You, yep. you don't want to start a goaltender all three of those games. Even though you have a week break, you that a guy like that can get very tired. So, like, from my experience in watching, I've noticed that Zane gets a Friday night, Bennington gets a Saturday, and Zane gets a Sunday. So you you got to break it up. So, yes, there is a 1A and 1B scenario. So folks out there that think, like, Zane's getting all these games, uh, you just got to uh, read up a little bit more on what's going on in the A. Though sometimes it seems like, uh, yeah, yeah, I, they're they're close. Like I think Bennington would be more of a conventional backup. Though you're right, the games are very much so close. So it's it's close. But yeah, I could really see them next year doing more of a tandem like they did with Subban and uh, McIntyre in the past year. In fact, you know what? I think that actually might have helped out McIntyre's transition having a Subban there because it maybe took a lot of the pressure off, whereas this season we're kind of noticing maybe McIntyre thinking that, oh, you know, I'm the guy, so I've got to, I really got to show off, I've got to prove my worth, and maybe he's just got a little bit more of the pressure. So having uh, Berdar there might take some of the pressure off of him, and he knows he can relax. Absolutely. Uh, One goaltender that, um, well, actually – We'll talk about it in a minute, but uh, jump into the Ontario Hockey League with the Oshawa Generals. Uh, Bruins' second-round pick in 2017, Jack Stanika, leads the Generals' team in points with 15, 16 goals, 46 assists, and 62 points, uh, but has gone pointless in his last two games after um, having a point in his previous five games. Um, I like Jack's game. Uh, he, he plays up the middle, a, a top-line center. Um really focused uh, individual and uh, obviously having a career year in the OHL. So a fun guy to watch. Yeah. You. I've paid for like a couple of uh, OHL games here and there. I used to know of a way to uh, perhaps to- totally legally stream them. <laughs> but now I have to uh, pay for them. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, watching him is, uh, is incredible. He's going to be a good, he's going to be, he, he kind of reminds me of Spooner in a way. Yep. He's just got that very smooth skating, uh, kind of a playmaking, uh, a scoring playmaker type of type of guy. He's 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 incredible. I I really like Captain Jack. I like yeah, and 
<laughs> Captain Jack. I love it. Um, I, I like the comparison that you made to Spooner, but he's a, a grittier Spooner. He's a guy that can get into those dirty areas and be very successful with the puck. And his puck possession is 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 outstanding, in my opinion. So uh, I look forward to seeing him. I don't think he's going to make a, a complete jump to the NHL. I believe that a, a year in Providence would do him well. As any prospect, I, I think Providence is definitely the way to go first and then evaluate further uh, over the summer and see if you, uh, you have cap space and availability uh, to, yeah, uh, to jump up. Because the problem, the problem is, you only have twelve spots for a forward. So, right. Unfortunately, you have to sometimes stash prospects in the cupboard in Providence. Yeah, and and it kind of reminds, brings me back to another article that I wrote. Um, and there's one more full season of East Coast Hockey League in um, contracted or agreed upon um, in Atlanta. So. And there's a franchise that's open. The in, Maine Mariners. In Portland, Maine. Yeah. And uh, the, I've, I wrote an article about that and, and, and the, you know, the ties to the old Maine Mariners team back in the day and everything going on. And, and the other thing is, 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 is the proximity. I mean, Atlanta is to Boston's only a three-hour flight, but... Portland to Boston's only a two and a half hour ride, so I think it would make sense to keep teams closer. I for one thought Worcester was going to be the the stop for that, and um, you're and, right, exactly. And it, that was heavily rumored because the owner of the uh, Worcester uh, Railers is a season ticket holder for years. Uh, he grew up in the uh, in in uh, at the Essex County area, I believe, um, and and has ties to to the Boston Bruins. Not not close ties but they know who he is as a businessman i actually thought that worcester would have been a stop for for the east coast hockey league and the providence bruins uh premier double a affiliate but i think i i have a strong belief that portland is is going to be affiliated now from who the people i talked to uh is daniel briere which is the team's uh president and ceo i believe i could be wrong on that Neil Breer that used to play in the NHL. Yep, yep, and oh. in the Buffalo Sabres and, and the Philadelphia Flyers. Yep. He mentioned that the the team is willing to go without an affiliation for one year. So if you put two and two together, Josh, yeah, what does that you, tell you? It yeah, tells you. Really, it tells hard on for uh, getting that whole collaboration thing going. Yeah, it's just, it tells me that, okay, they're willing to keep their agreement in Atlanta for the next season while the main team goes unaffiliated. And then after that, I think it's going to happen. So we'll see what happens. But um, going back to the Oshawa Generals, there's another prospect that plays for them, and that's uh, Kyle Kieser. And, and Bruins goaltender uh, had... A five-game winning streak snapped last night when he gave up a four-goal effort in, to the Hamilton Bulldogs. Uh, Kieser is 25-12-2 with a 3.05 goals against average and a 9.08 save percentage. And another one, don't look at those stats and judge. This kid is so good. He positions himself so well. He reads the puck. He reads the play coming into the zone. Um, I just think that 
and he was a free agent signing. He was not a Bruins draft pick. So exactly, he actually um, during uh, there was a there was a couple of prospect games they played out in Buffalo where Caesar was introduced or was actually invited, I should say. Uh, he was invited to go play with the Bruins as kind of like a trial basis. And then when Subban was picked up by the Vegas Golden Knights, they immediately signed Kieser because of his performance against some of the teams that they played against in that um, kind of prospect series of games out in Buffalo. Yeah, and he was an, also he was a Bruins rookie camp invite. Right, right. So yeah, that, that had some ties. And I thought when I saw him there, I thought he was outstanding. I thought he really should. I thought he worked well with um, goaltending coach uh, uh, Bob Asenza and um, and uh, uh, new new coach Mike Dunham. Um. So yeah, so that's done. Uh, NCAA playoffs. Now this is where I had a hard time this morning. Uh, the website that I use is just really slow, and I think that like what we we talked about off air, they might be updating uh, last night's and this weekend's. Um, uh, information. So, uh, University of Maine goaltender, and I'm, I'm really high on this kid. Uh, yep. Bruins prospect goaltender Jeremy Swayman had an outstanding opening round of the Hockey East playoffs, sweeping the best of three games against the cross-border rival, the University of New Hampshire Wildcats. Swayman made 53 saves in two appearances and looked to continue his strong play in the net as the Black Bears prepare for the uh, Hockey East quarterfinals in Boston. And somebody on Twitter just um, just updated me. Uh, his name is Sam. Replied, actually, they have one more stop before Boston, and that's Providence College. So, Sam, thank you. Thank you very much for that. No, I think it's Providence College. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, in fact, um, that... I think I know exactly who just might have uh, talked or tweeted at you. He's probably going to come down to Providence, and actually a bunch of uh, friends of mine and I are going to go to Providence to watch them next. I think it's either Saturday or Sunday. I'm not sure exactly which day, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to that game. Oh, no I'm, way. That's awesome, man. Yeah, Jeremy Swayman's a little bit more accessible than having to drive up to Orono, which is a bit of a hike. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> I, my, I, uh, I have family up in Maine, up in that area, and it's like almost a three-hour ride from where I am in Amesbury. Yeah. Um, he he really played well, and I wrote an article about him on Saturday about his uh, first Hockey East playoff win uh, that he got on Friday night and then sealed the deal on Saturday um, with a 27-save effort. Uh, another another goaltender that I'm really high on, and and. One of the reasons why I'm really excited about him is is the exposure he's getting to to learn about the uh, developing into a pro from a goaltending coach Alfie Michaud, who is a former uh, UMaine alum, goaltending coach, and Mike Dunham, uh, a former like we talked about, uh, is also a UMaine alum, and I just think it's good for him to to have that that presence around uh, to to uh, show what 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 developing into a pro really means and and he's a great kid i had we had him on this this program not too long ago good interview yeah that was that was i was so freaking nervous josh i was crazy that was my first prospect (laughs) i've ever talked to so uh i'm sorry no i mean besides development camp you know an interview for a program that we do i was a little nervous but he was fantastic and that was episode 83 if anybody wants to go back and and check it out um 
I like I like the way his placement in the in the, the developing depth in the crease. Um, I think he's going to be really good. So I look forward to seeing him, of course, in Providence. Uh, who knows? I mean, he's a freshman this year, uh, and you know he's he's got a fourteen ten and and some odd record, a fourteen ten and three record. He's got a two point six five goals against, and he's got a nine twenty save percentage. So his numbers are there, uh, which indicates that he can be. And and possibly will be a, a decent professional when he when he reaches the AHL first. So, I look oh, no, in fact, he was kind of carrying the team there for a while. Yeah, and and you know what is funny is 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 Robert McGovern, who was a junior this year, um, was the team's starter, and then Swayman comes in in his first year and takes over that starting role. That just that that tells me it it doesn't tell me that there's there's animosity between the two. Uh, goaltenders and and you know but there is a challenge and obviously uh uh i think it's rich gendron uh, the university of maine head coach you know if he's got if he's going to rely on somebody he's going to go with the guy that's playing out uh, you know playing better and yeah, the way yeah the way swayman has been playing this season is he's seen a lot of pucks. He's seen a lot of rubber this year. And I believe that that's one of the reasons why he was a third selection for the 2018 World Juniors that were held in Buffalo in, in, um, at the end of December and, and early January. So, And that's also from a couple of scouts that I've talked to uh, previously. So uh, un- unfortunately, he's at 19 years old. Swayman's uneligible for the World Juniors under 20 next season. But um, I, I just really continue to, to look forward to his development and, and watch it stream in the games because uh, he's, he's just a he's, – he's an asset. I mean, he's an asset in the development depth, and, and I look forward to seeing him. We've got a lot of depth at goaltending. We went from having almost no depth at goaltending to a, a buffet of depth at goaltending. It's absolutely amazing how many – kids we have at different levels all starting to make their push towards making the big club i think i think that that is going to get better and with the addition of mike dunham as a as a like an assistant kind of uh coach that and dunham's not in providence all the time as many people think he is he's floating around he's been to oshawa to see keezer he's been to maine to see swayman he's been down to florida to be with uh, Vladar, he's been in Boston for you know Rask and Hudobin, so he he gets around and makes sure that everybody is is doing the right things and 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 preparing themselves for every situation. Um, but uh, sticking with the um the NCAA playoffs, uh, I was kind of sad to see that um uh, University of Wisconsin Badges, uh, and, and and Bruins prospects Trent Frederick and um. Cameron Hughes, uh, early exits. Uh, they were swept in the three-game series in the Big Ten playoffs. Um, it was too bad because Fre- Trent Frederick had a great game last night, and he had, and I think he had a couple assists on Friday night. So he was really putting his individual effort to try to make this uh, a better series, and so was Cameron Hughes. But uh, to to end the year, uh, Trent Frederick uh, appeared in thirty-six games. And he had seventeen goals, fifteen assists, thirty-two points. Um, from the people I've talked to, like Steve Corniano's the draft analyst and, and, um, a couple other, uh, folks that are really close to, uh, prospects, NHL release, 
This kid's shot is just amazing. And if you and I know that you've uh, liked a couple of the uh, videos that I posted last night um, on his two goals. They were just snipes. Uh, Absolutely. You know, he's just got he's got all the tools in the tool bag, like you would say. Uh, the, where you could really, really see that, and you could see it four times over, is the uh, bronze medal game of the uh, World Juniors, where he basically carried the U.S. to the bronze medal. Yeah, yeah, with a four goal effort. Exactly. Yeah, that was that was I was that was great to see, and, and you know, a bronze medal is 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 nothing to knock. You know what I mean? They play hard to get it, so. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you've got a lot of good teams vying for only three like three levels of medals, so. That is absolutely not a knock on them. In fact, this is the first time that the U.S. team has medaled in three consecutive World Juniors, I believe. Yeah, great stat, man. That's why I have you won, my friend. <laughs> um, but uh, Trent Frederick, uh, he, he just finished his sophomore year, so I expect I expect him to play another season uh, for the Badgers, or there is speculation that he could uh, sign and, and be with Providence uh, as early as the start of next season. Uh, your thoughts on that? I would love to see Trent Frederick in Providence. Um, he, for some reason, I actually put him a little bit closer to the big club than I do Ryan Donato. I don't know why, but just something about Trent Frederick says that he's more mature and he's more, he's got more poise. He's more ready to join the big club than he would um, Ryan Donato. So I'm I'm kind of wondering why people are like hyper focusing on Ryan Donato when they really should be looking at Frederick. Because Frederick's got the frame, he's got the skating ability, he's got the shot, he's got the like you said the NHL release. He's got a more complete pack, uh, package right now. And I, yeah, he's one of those guys who maybe needs like Danton Heinen. He'll get a cup of coffee at the NHL. He'll go back to Providence for a while work on his game, work on his game, work on his game. We'll see him back up maybe in a year or two. And to a- end our conversation, and I really appreciate your time today, Josh, um, is Cameron Hughes. Uh, he played 37 games for the uh, Wisconsin Badgers. He had eight goals, 14 assists, 22 points. Uh, and captain of the uh, the Badgers team uh, last season, uh, played his last game uh, as a senior. So, I expect him to definitely be uh, in Providence to start um, next season or as early as this year um, as the uh, Boston Bruins organization has had players come in from the Canadian leagues and NCAA um, collegiate level to uh, incorporate their in the pro style of uh, what's going on in Providence, even though they might not see any games they're there for workouts and practices and so on. And to, and to be that depth player in case something happens. Absolutely. As, as long as you've got them in there and actually learning the system, learning what it takes to be a professional, I think that the exposure is just as good as uh, lacing up and playing games because getting them in there and just getting their mindset to where it needs to be too is almost invaluable because you need to have the right state of mind. I mean, there are just some days where you can probably walk into that locker room and think, man, where do, where am I even going from here? Like, what's my next step? What do I need to do? But getting them exposed to just being in that grind and figuring it out at such a young age is absolutely invaluable. So I'm glad I I really honestly hope that uh, we see him in Providence this year. Like you said, even if he doesn't suit up, just seeing him there, Taking it all in will be 
absolutely invaluable, and I believe that we'll definitely see him in Providence next year, if not this year. You gonna be watching the game today against um, the Springfield Thunderbirds? Yeah, well, I gotta go in and do inventory early, so that's why I'm making sure I get that out of the way, and then I'm gonna hook up my uh, secret little Providence <laughs> watching station, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna catch the the, the, third, the third game in three nights. So, uh, you know, this one's kind of a trap game for them because for whatever reason, the the last game they just they look absolutely gassed, and it always seems to be against the Springfield Thunderbirds. I think that's why they have such a shitty record against them. Right. Because it seems like they always get the Springfield Thunderbirds last in the series, and they've just got no gas left. Fortunately, Springfield has also played three games in three nights, so they're on a bit more level playing field this afternoon. But I'd really love to see another, like, four or five, six-goal output from them to uh, kind of round off a very offensive-minded week because that's, this one's been really good to watch. Like I've, I'm seeing a lot of positives from a lot of different players too, which is nice. You don't just see one player kind of overtaking the game. It's not just Austin Zarnick, for instance, or um, Jordan Swartz. You see a bunch of players contributing, which is the best part of this whole weekend. That it's it's not just a one man show. Yeah, speaking of Austin Zarnick, he's on a seven game point streak. I believe it's eight now. So. Um... Yeah, uh, if they if the Providence Bruins beat the Thunderbirds today, that's uh, a four game winning streak and a uh, a perfect weekend. So hopefully that and, happens. Yep, fingers crossed. I'm really hoping because that would be nice. We haven't had one of those since uh, I believe November or December. Oh no, December. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, anyway, for for Providence Bruins uh, tweets and updates, uh, definitely follow Josh. You can follow him on Twitter at Two Causeway. A uh, fantastic guy and fantastic guest for the second time. And Josh, thank you very much. For, uh, it, people can follow him and his writings at uh, shippinguptocauseway.com. Uh, another great writer and uh, uh, gives everybody the, the need to know uh, in the Providence Bruins uh, organization. So thank you for your time, Josh, and uh, have fun at work today. Uh, thanks, Mark. Appreciate you having me on again. It's been a great time. All right. Take care, bud. for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at blackandgold277, at courtlalonde, and at rob40bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.